0: Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyrill and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Today, prepare your heart to join Pastor Niro as he speaks on The Manifest Presence of God, Part 3. Us. Thank you for your faithfulness towards your, your people, your church. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord. Your word tells us that, that the church, the body of Christ, is his fullness. The fullness of him that fills all in all. Ephesians one twenty three. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, by your spirit, Lord, that you would give us the grace and enablement, Lord, to to manifest the fullness of God in the earth in the name of Jesus. And I ask right now, Lord God, that you open everyone's ears, open everyone's eyes, Lord, to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. I pray in your name, Lord God, that even as we hear, Lord, we would not be just hearers, but doers of your word. To enact your will on this earth in Jesus' name, for your glory and for your name's sake. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, welcome to First Love Online Church. Thank you so much for for showing up this morning. We have uh, much to talk about, and I can't, I cannot, um, I can't express more the urgency of the day, right? I know, I know that we've become accustomed to the idea of coming to church and hearing a message and going home and saying, "Well, that was a good message," or "That was not such a good message." I, I know we we go through it all the time because. In our culture, we've become these people who we consume information. And that's what Americans do. That's what Westerners do. We consume information with no real uh, intention on actually doing what that information says. Let me give an example. You've got next week, you're going to have a million people plus, much more than a million, watching the Super Bowl. So all these people are going to get together to watch the Super Bowl. But once it's all said and done, it's like this dead um, sense of non-achievement. Like everyone's going to cheer and, and scream and holler for whatever team they want. Right. But then life continues. You do nothing with what happened just now. Like no matter how how you feel about your team, whatever team that is, nothing they do is going to affect or impact your life in any way. There's just there's just nothing. Another example is are, are the movies. We can go to the movies and we'll 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 see the movie and we'll we may even somehow get a, an idea of the message of the movie, what the movie's trying to convey and communicate. But we have no intention on doing what that movie says. It's just a movie, and so we then we just live on. And so in our culture, we approach church the exact same way. Like we go to church or or we listen to First Love Online Church and we'll hear the message. But there's something about us that has become accustomed to hearing something with no real intention of doing what we've heard. And I think it's kind of a dangerous place. The Bible tells us, you know, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Right. Like when you watch a football game, you're not going to be a doer of the football game and not a hearer only. You're, you're going to walk away. You're going to be a hearer only. Movies the same way. You're going to be a hearer only. You're not going to do whatever you saw in that movie. I, I mean, I hope not. And I hope you're not watching movies where they're, they're doing things in a movie that you should not be doing. So so we, we, we actually when we come to church, when we gather, we ought to be prepared to actually enact in our lives what we're hearing. All right. So I hope you're hearing me because what the Spirit of the Lord is saying is is huge. It's, it's important that we hear it and, and we prepare our hearts to actually do what we're hearing. I told someone a couple weeks ago, I told them, you know, when it comes to discipleship, I know that a lot of times we do like discipleship calls and one-on-ones and things like that. And those are good. I'm not saying they're bad. But I'll tell you what, if you only did what the preached message is declaring, I don't care if it's me declaring it or, or one of the leaders, it can be O.C., it can be Crystal, it can be any one of the people who sit here or, or, or at the house churches and, and minister. If you just did what was preached, things would change. Understand that the, the, the ministry that we do in preaching is a part of discipleship. Like there's an expectation to actually do what's being said. All right, I'm not going to belabor that point too much. But let's let's turn our Bibles now to John chapter 14, verse 21. We, of course, are still talking about the manifest presence of God. And we're turning to John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says this. Whoever has my commandment and keeps them. See, there it is again. Right? So we're not just hearing them. We're doing them. In fact... Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So there you have it. Like, we can say we love God. But in reality, the one who loves God, according to Jesus, this is not me preaching. This is Jesus preaching. The one who loves God is the one who keeps the commandments. And it says here, and he who loves me will be loved by my father. So see, these are prerequisites to having the love of God in you. Will be loved by my father. Uh, I believe it's in 1 John that talks about the idea that if you're, if you're in willful sin, right, the, 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 it says that if you love the world, right, the love of the Father is not in you. Could you imagine? It says if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So, you see, it lines up with the scripture here, right? John is saying it here, same author, right, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says here, like, like, listen, if you want to experience the love of the Father, keep the commandments, It says, and I will love him, listen to this, and manifest myself to him. Now, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? I want you to pay close attention once again to that statement. It says, to us and not to the world. When Jesus spoke, that's what he got from what Jesus was saying, that Jesus is going to manifest himself to us, not to the world. Remember it again, please, to us and not to the world. Because, see, there's something about the church that should exist that we have that the world does not have. We can all feed the poor. Like, the church can feed the the poor and the world can feed the poor. We can all do it. We can all do good works. The church can do the good works and the world can do good works. I'm not downplaying good works, but I'm just letting you know that there's something else about us that the world does not have. Like we have something that we offer this world that the UN cannot do, that the Peace Corps cannot do that charities and organizations all over the country, all over the world, cannot do. There is something that the body of Christ has, and it is real, and it is tangible, and it is the manifestation of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. See, he's belaboring this point. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. There it is. He's repeating the exact same thing. Like, God is going to manifest himself to those who love him. In fact, the scripture even tells us, eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And so, like, there's this special thing that God wants to give us, but in reality, you know, God seems to hide himself behind the veil of, of sanctification and holiness and the obedience to his word. He hides himself behind that veil and chooses to reveal himself to those who have purified their hearts. This manifestation is not something that's attainable to the world. It's also something that's not, uh, uh, you know, attainable to the lukewarm Christian or to the churchgoer who doesn't follow the commands of God. Like, you're not going to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We've quoted that scripture many, many times. And like I said earlier, it just seems as though culturally we've become people who we're accustomed to hearing something. We're accustomed to, it's almost like people having itching ears. We're accustomed to hearing, but not actually doing what's being preached. And I'll tell you what, if we do what's being preached, we would have little, little to no need um, to, to have counseling and deliverance sessions and things like that because you're doers of the word. I'm sorry, if you're a doer of the word, you're going to be free. You're going to. I think the scripture tells us that, right? Like, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you what? Free. The truth does this. So so remember, but we have to do the truth. We can't just know the truth. We have to do the truth. And so listen, this this manifestation of the spirit of God, the manifest presence of God is only for those who believe and those who are followers of him. And so what I want to focus on, you know, we, we were talking about what's different about the church, right? Like there's something about us. We have the presence of God. But in the world, of course, they have their their imitations of that. Like Exodus chapter 7 talks about Janus and Jambres, the, the magicians of Pharaoh. And when when Aaron, when when Moses threw down Aaron's staff, what happened? It turned into the snake. And then the magicians did the exact same thing. It turned into a snake also. But the staff that Moses had, it ate the snakes of the ones that the magicians had. Like there is a greater power that exists in the church that we need to begin to actually walk in. We always quote it, right? That people in the church have a tendency to not actually be spiritual with the desire to be perceived as spiritual. If you spend any amount of time online or on like internet forums where they talk about Jesus or or even among church people you'll see that we have a tendency to know how to talk about God we can talk about God but how do we actually engage the presence of God what does that even look like like You know, it says in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand. There are pleasures evermore. What does it look like to actually experience the manifest presence of God? Well, I'll tell you what, all throughout the Old Testament, when God showed up in his manifest presence, right? It's as though people fell as dead. It's like God was too much. Like he was he was so overwhelming that they could not stand on their feet. I think it was Daniel who said, all of my strength left me and there was nothing left. See, in the manifest presence of God, it's, it's, it's such a great, powerful thing that no man can stand before him. And then you get someone like Moses. Moses is like, listen, I know what you're telling me to do. He's at the burning bush. I know what you're telling me to do. This is wonderful. But if your presence does not go with me, I don't want to go. Imagine if the saints thought that way in the church. Imagine if we had that mindset. Lord, if your presence does not go with me, whatever it is, God's calling you to Lord, if your presence does not go with me, I don't want to go. And so you go through the Old Testament and you can see where God's manifest presence showed up. And then you saw a certain point where the manifest presence of God lifted. We just read it in 66 and 88, right? What is it? Second Chronicles chapter 36. I think that's one of the saddest chapters in the Bible. It's when Jerusalem fell. And it was like in, in fulfillment of the word of Jeremiah, Right? Nebuchadnezzar seized everything, right? And and it was like everything was gone, and, and Israel was was in this state again of Ichabod. The glory was departed. Everything was in ruins. Imagine, like, God is suddenly not there. Your prayers, your crying out are all useless because the prophecy has gone forth in defiance of your prayers and your desires. Like captivity is really going to happen, right? And and so you can see, though, where, where, where God will show his manifest presence and nothing's impossible. When you're in a state of Ichabod, where the glory has departed, forget it. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to work out. And what brings about Ichabod? Unholiness. Disobedience to God. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The psalmist also says, he that covers his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Like we talk about the Holy Spirit very often, but I like to joke around sometimes and say the Holy Spirit, his first name is holy. We have to remember that, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes to bring holiness. He enables us to be holy. He enables us to be right before God. But we have to pay attention to him. Now, about the manifest presence of God, we know according to Scripture that God is everywhere, okay? He is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere at all times. You know that from the psalmist, right? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take upon myself the wings of the morning and dwell to the uttermost part of the sea, even there your right hand shall guide me. God is everywhere. However, God's manifest presence is not everywhere. That's the difference. See, sometimes... Sometimes I can be there, like my, 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 my daughter may say, hey, dad, dad, I might be reading or something. I don't know. And my daughter's like, hey, dad, dad, dad. And I'm reading something. See, I'm there, but I'm not there. But when I turn my face to her and I look her in the eye and I respond to her, well, now we're talking about manifest presence. Now we're talking about I'm not just there, but I am paying attention and I am making a demand that you pay attention to me. The manifest presence of God is when God is presenting himself to us. And so that presence is very strong. In the Hebrew, it's the word panim, which means face. Like God is showing you his face. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. That's a a blessing and declaration of the manifest presence of God. Now, keeping in mind again, the solution when it comes to this is holiness, because God will manifest himself to those who keep his word. All right. These are the ones who truly, truly love him. All right. I remember it was Smith Wigglesworth who said, I realized that God can never bless us on the lines uh, on the lines of being hard hearted or critical or unforgiving. Right. This will hinder faith quicker than anything. So I I want us to, to, to kind of begin this right by making sure like like the scripture says if today today if you will hear his voice do not harden your heart don't harden your heart right don't be critical don't be unforgiving like let's let all of that go so that we can actually experience that presence of god that we so desperately need remember the manifest presence of god is something we ought to be hungering for and desiring, right? Because our spiritual life ought to be built up and edified. And and your spiritual life, oh goodness, I wish you, would, you could just, just like write this down. Your spiritual life should affect your behavior. Your spiritual life should affect your behavior. What you do, what you don't do. What you actively do, what you actively choose not to do, keeping in mind that the Christian life is not based just upon what you don't do, but also it's based upon what you actually set out to do. All right. So so like there should be something about what we do that is different from the world. All right. Let's let's look at this here. Let me tell you why. You've got Russia-Ukraine war right now. You've got Israel fighting a war in Gaza. You've got all kinds of controversies, too many to number, in the United States right now, right? You've got the USA-Texas border crisis that's happening right now. You've got the 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 Epstein list that's out right now. You've got the controversies concerning elections. This is an election year. Uh, you know, I, I gave a... a, a uh, 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 an admonishment back in December, like be ready for twenty fourteen. Literally, be ready for anything in twenty fourteen. Uh, is it twenty fourteen? No, twenty twenty four. I'm ten years behind. Twenty 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 four. Right, be ready for anything this year because a lot is coming down the pike. So many things are happening right now. We can hardly count them. And so I, I remember it was an interview that that Carrie Lake was doing, where where the, the man who was trying to. Um, Uh, bribe her into leaving politics right it was supposed to be a private phone call but he said that in all 50 states there are cartels operating in all 50 states like our borders are wide open and like like literally people who are known terrorists are crossing our border right now how can a church sleep right now but you see, in Israel, it was the same thing. Like they did not even think about the crises of their day. They were just living on, like let the good times roll, bowing down to idols and doing detestable things that were wrong before God. And so they were abandoning the commandments of God, not realizing that God was not with them. See, Israel was like God's, God's chosen people. And the church, Ephesians 1.23 tells us we are the fullness of God, right? the, 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 which is his fullness, the, the, of, of him that fills all in all. There has to be something otherworldly about us. Friends, we're too common. We're too common. We're too regular. Now, we see ourselves right now as a people in a world in crisis. The only answer is the manifest presence of God. The only answer is the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles following. Now, the manifest presence of God, you know, we know that God is a triune God, okay? Keep this in mind, God is a triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says in 1 John, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. I know your translation may not say that, so we can also look in Matthew chapter 3.16, which tells us, which speaks of the baptism of Jesus, and it says that when John baptized Jesus, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That is Father and Son. And then it said that the Spirit came down upon him as a dove. That is the Holy Spirit. All... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is God. And so, with that in mind, you see the the, the activities of the Father primarily in the Old Testament. And the Father in the Old Testament brought governance. Governance. The Father brought governance in the Old Testament. When he manifested his presence, it was as though he was showing whoever he was manifesting himself to who was boss who was in charge. That's why if you read the book of Leviticus or Exodus, and when God is laying out his commandments, you see these words. Like, if you don't do this, you shall surely die. You'll die. Like, do this, or, or you're going to die. Now, the father bought governance. So the son, the son did something else. The son, I'm going to turn to John chapter one, so you can see this. John chapter one, because the son, now father, the father bringing governance, you can refer to the the, the creation story. Um, Like as soon as he created man, what did he do? He gave rules. Right. He'd be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth right? he was giving commands. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, the same thing. Okay. now now the son, though, if we look at John chapter one, look at this. It says here, let me if I can get my Bible there quickly enough. It says in John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the father, full of what grace and truth. Now, John testified him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I for he has existed before me for of his fullness. Wait a minute. Wasn't John the Baptist older? Because he's preaching here that he that comes after me existed before me. See, there it is again. You know, people often challenge the divinity of Jesus. But John the Baptist seems to suggest that, uh, wait a minute. No, Jesus came first. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm off on a little tangent there. But uh, yeah, Jesus is God. But it says here. In sixteen, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. All right, for the law was given through Moses, right? The Father did that. That law given through Moses, that's the work of the Father. Um, because the Father bought governance, law. It says though, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So the Son bought grace and truth. The Father bought governance. The Son brought grace and truth in his manifesting. He brought grace and truth. All right. Now, remember, Father, governance, the Son, grace and truth. Now, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, let's go to 1 Corinthians. the book of 1 Corinthians. It says here that the Holy Spirit... Here we go. It says here. In first Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. To another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirit. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The spirit brought gifts. The father brought governance. The son brought grace. The spirit brought gifts. Now, that is not to say that these are the only things that the father has bought or the only things that the son has bought because as we know the son also bought glory the son also bought truth right the Holy Spirit g- brings gifts and power and revelation and conviction of sin it says the scriptures in the scripture that the Holy Spirit will reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment I'm focusing right now though on the part the aspect of the Holy Spirit that I believe the church neglects or we get into demonstration without proper biblical uh, interpretation. Because, see, we can't just, uh, you, if you all, if anyone has ever watched YouTube, you know, people are doing all kinds of craziness out there. I saw a pastor. And he was he was preaching to his congregation. And. And he told them all to run outside and start eating grass like sheep. And they all just started running out there. And this was some kind of a a prophetic demonstration, I guess. And they all went out there and started eating grass like sheep. Um, and they were on their hands and knees, like one other. I think it was another pastor who who he he was preaching and walking around, kind of how preachers do. And people started coming up on on their hands and knees, crawling around like like sheep. And actually making the, the, the bleeding sound that sheep make, you know, bah! and they're walking around doing it and he's letting them do it. Now, I know we're a house church, you know, guys, if, if you guys start doing that, like following me around, bleeding like sheep. Y'all, I quit. I I can't do this. I, I can't. I, look, don't don't do that. I'm gonna kick you out my house. Um, You know, if you identify as a sheep, like in reality, uh, I think we talked about this this morning. What is it called? Uh, trans- Trend, what is it called Furry. furries, yeah, like you got a the pastor had a whole church full of furries, they were identifying as physical sheep now, I love me some sheep i I can eat some lamb right like but that does you you can't you're not sheep people, you're not actual sheep, right it is a posture that you take like like you're not actual sheep that we can like barbecue or 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 roast with some some white beans, you know, okay, let me stop talking about food um but Just just like a lot of weird things are happening out there right now, right? Because we're not properly looking at what the Bible says about these different gifts of the Spirit. Now, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there are some imbalances. Now, I want to say a few things about this before we go on about the gifts of the Spirit, because I want to talk about the power gifts. First of all, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it says here, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Up at verse 11, it tells us, it says, the same Spirit works all these things, um, distributing to each one as God wills. Now, I'm going to skip all the way up to um, over verse 27. It says, now you are Christ's body. And individual members of it. Now I'm gonna name some more spiritual gifts here. Are you ready? Listen to this. As the body of Christ, God has appointed in the church, appointed, meaning it is, it, this is how he meant for the church to operate. The church was never meant to operate off of the brilliance of a pastor, that was never the intention. The church was never meant to function off of the brilliance, the theological brilliance of one person. Now, listen, if you're a pastor, you should have theological depth. If you're a church leader, you should be obsessed with being correct theologically. You should be obsessed with learning, but not just for learning's sake, but for doing's sake. But look what it says here. Verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 12. And God has appointed in the church, in the church first apostles. Uh-oh. Are there modern-day apostles? I don't even know why we say modern-day apostles. Like, in the same set of scriptures, it talks about teachers. Are there modern-day teachers? Come on. Um, so it, it, nothing says that apostles stopped. Uh, nothing in scripture says that apostles, the ministry of apostles ended. Anyway, first apostles. Secondly, prophets. Are there modern-day prophets? Of course, there are third teachers. Listen to this. Then miracles. Then gifts of healing. Helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Now, he's speaking of how the body of Christ is called to operate what we're supposed to be doing in response to the lostness of the world. That's why people who do evangelism, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to give you a little bit of a admonition here. Something I learned from a, a teacher that was speaking to me. He said, if you are an evangelist, if you are an evangelist, you must operate in signs and wonders. Or you're not an evangelist. You're just not. Evangelists in scripture operate in signs and wonders. And so, yeah, you you take that for what it means, but it looks like according to God, His church, He He He's calling His church to operate in miracles, healings, um, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Now it says all are not apostles, are they? No, I'm not an apostle, right? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, all are not workers of miracles. All do not have the gifts of healings. All do not speak with tongues. You know, there's Spirit-filled people. There are people filled with the Holy Spirit who do not speak in tongues. I know, that, that, that hits us right in the eyes, right? Because we're like, no, wait a minute. You have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Acts chapter 2 proves you wrong. Acts chapter 2 proves you wrong. Because in Acts chapter 2, they, they, they spoke in tongues, right? Yeah, they did. They were speaking languages. They were not speaking the gibberish that we do. It was actual languages. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, they're speaking the gibberish that we do. And we should. And we should speak in tongues. It says, my my spirit prays, it tells us in scripture, but my understanding is unfruitful. Or he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto man, but unto God. For no man understands him. I get it. Like we should be praying in tongues as we know to do. What I'm saying is in Acts chapter two, when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, they marveled because they did understand them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says no man understands them. So now Acts chapter two, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, but no one is speaking gibberish. Okay, but they are functioning in the spiritual gifts. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, You are endued with power from on high, and the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the power. And there are a lot of people who are speaking in tongues, but we don't have power. We have to have power, Jesus said, but you shall receive power. That's how you know the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive power. Again, you'll receive power. And then he says, and you will be my witnesses. A lot of people have a tongue, but they don't have a witness. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have a witness. You cannot have a private tongue, but no public witness. Then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you're not. If you have a private tongue, but no public witness, then literally that's like the reason the Holy Spirit came was so that you could have power. To witness. All right. Oh Boy, I went on on another tangent there, but oh, here we go. It says here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 31, listen very closely. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Now. Somebody would say, well. The best gifts are what happened afterwards in 1 Corinthians 13. The best gift is love. No, that's not what he's saying. We know that because in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, it says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. See, there's a difference. You pursue love and please do, because if you're going to operate in spiritual gifts, you got to pursue love. Right. But desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now a lot of I hear people say it all the time. Well, prophesying is just preaching. No, prophesying is not just preaching. Prophesying is a bit more than that. When a person prophesies, there's something different because every every translation of the word prophesy, um, that word prophesy, when you look it up in, in in Greek, every translation suggests a predictive nature in prophesying. Predictive. If you are a prophet. If you are prophesying, see, we're going to make this difficult for everybody. Because I just said, if you're an evangelist, like if you're not operating in signs and wonders, then you're falling way short of being an evangelist. You are. Evangelism should, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and the power. So that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Evangelists operate as vessels of God's power. Not just apologetics experts. Power. All right, so prophets, though, let's make it a little more difficult, are predictive in nature. The Lord is saying this is going to happen. Now, I know we go on further. It says exhortation, edification and comfort um, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and a trump of God and the dead and Christ shall rise first. And we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And there shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with this prophecy. See, prophecy brings comfort. The predictive nature of prophecy brings comfort. It brings exhortation. It brings edification, but it should be speaking forth something that is yet to happen. It should be speaking forth something that we've not seen yet. If you are a prophet, the way we judge prophecy, according to scripture, is whether or not that prophecy actually comes to pass. Because prophecy, my friends, is predictive. All right. So we must earnestly, though, desire the spiritual gifts. And I think, unfortunately, in our church today, it seems like we we've lost that fervor, that desire for the spiritual gifts. And everyone thinks they're they're prophesying. Now, now, the thing about people who prophesy, I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the thing, most of what I hear in the local church, even at First Love Fellowship. When I'm hearing prophetic words, what I'm actually hearing is not prophecy. It's either word of knowledge, word of wisdom, or discernment of spirit. It's the revelation gifts. Because prophecy says this is going to happen. And we don't. Always hear much of that, but we do hear things like, I'm seeing, I'm dreaming, I have a vision. Those are powerful gifts that take nothing from it, but it's not prophecy. Sometimes when they say, Well, I have a word for you, well, word is literally in the word, word of wisdom or word of knowledge. The word is that. Now, prophecy is a different, a whole different matter. We're going to get into the, 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 the the gifts so you know we have power gifts we're talking about the spiritual gifts we have the power gifts these are gifts that do something gifts that do something that's healing miracles and faith those are gifts that do something Revelation gifts are gifts that reveal something. This is what I see flowing very strong at First Love Fellowship. Gifts that reveal something. That is word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discernment of spirits. Most of the time when we we, we believe people to be prophetic, what we're really seeing is the manifestation of the revelation gifts. Um, And then you've got the utterance gifts. These are gifts that say something. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Now, I want to look at these power gifts, though, healing, miracles, and faith. Now, according to the ministry of Jesus, he says here in his great commission, even though not everyone does this, it says, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who has believed and is baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on a sick and they will recover. So Jesus is saying here that those who believe can do this. Now, does everybody pick up serpents? No, I don't. I don't pick up snakes. Ever. For any reason, God would have to speak to me from heaven through sixteen angels. I don't know what's the sixteen number of. Don't, we don't. I don't know. But but whatever that. I'm not picking up a snake, right? But there are certain things that I would do. If you're sick, I'll lay hands on that. Some people will pick up the snake. I don't know why, but they 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 go on and pick up a snake. I don't think you should ever pick up a snake unless it is absolutely necessary for the gospel don't go picking up snakes don't go drinking deadly poison to prove that God's power is real there's a guy who, who was handling uh, a venomous snakes to show that the power of God was in him and he died um, didn't work out yeah he, he died right there in church he was, he's standing there holding a rattlesnake y'all he's holding a rattlesnake and he's like hitting him on his head and everything and, and uh, so the snake decided you know what I think I'm just having a little fun today and so the snake bit him and so the man is standing there after the snake bit him, and then he starts trembling and, and you know, staggering and everything, and they start holding him up. He, he passed away, tragically, you know. I think sometimes on Judgment Day, like, God is going to see him as and, like, he may he be welcomed to heaven, but like, maybe an angel or going to slap him upside the head. Like, get in here. What is, what is wrong with you, right? You're picking up snakes. But here's the thing about healing, the gifts of healing, right? God uses people in the gift of healing as he wills as he desires okay now there are some people who flow in this gift of healing there are some people like i can pray all day for somebody who's sick and be praying speaking in tongues uh you know talking telling the devil to leave the whole thing but but a person with the gift of healing can come and simply lay hands on them in the name of jesus and they're healed i want to i want to address something to you sometimes healing can be a demonic manifestation that result in a person being sick and you can indeed use the authority of Jesus name for that demonic manifestation to leave and then that person can be healed however not every healing situation is a demon did you hear it can be a physical ailment i can i can walk into my kitchen of my house and slip over something on the floor and bump my head on a cabinet right? I have a big old knot on my head. There is no demon present. I just have a big old knot on my head because I tripped and fell. And people who operate in the gifts of healing understand they can lay hands on a sick and they can recover. Somebody might come to me and pray for me about that knot on my head. And all of a sudden that knot on my head is gone and I feel much better. Okay. But then there are sicknesses. which manifests, which happened because of the manifestation of demonic power. People who get involved in witchcraft know this. They use their witchcraft and their demonic power in order to bring sickness to other people. Um, Isn't the word, what is it, the the word for um, drugs, uh, pharmakia? Right. It's literally ingesting something uh, through demonic means to make a person sick. Now, these are demonic operations. Okay, what I'm talking about is the gift of healing that comes that it may have nothing to do with a demon. But you can be an elder of the church and go and you lay hands on them, anointing with oil, and that person gets better from something that they should not have easily gotten better from. This is a power gift, and what I'm what I'm admonishing you to do, first love fellowship, is begin to step out in faith. If it says in the scripture to earnestly desire the best gifts, we should start moving in it. Now, in order to start moving in the gifts, by the way, we must start with holy. Holy. Start with holy. Remember what Jesus said, right? He that has my commandments and keeps them he it is that loves me and he that loves me we love by my father and I will manifest myself to him if you want the manifestation of God right we we have to start with holiness we have to start with keeping the commands of God and and like don't it can't be like I'm holy today therefore I'm going to operate in the gifts no this is something that you will grow in spiritual power and spiritual authority as your life conforms more and more to the image of the son that's what Romans chapter 8 tells us For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of the Son. We have to become more and more like Jesus. It says, but we all with open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're increasing in glory by the Spirit of the Lord every single day. This is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. But it must be holy, friends. We must be holy. If you want to operate in healing, you must walk as a holy vessel. You know, I, I know this was an authority thing, but the sons of Sceva weren't holy. And so they tried casting out a demon. And what happened? They, 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 got, they, they got run through the mill. They, they, one person beat seven people up and stripped them all naked to where they were running out the house naked. You know you've lost the fight. When you and all seven of your brothers are running out the house naked because one person beat you. And that's what happened because when people are demonized, by the way, they tend to, it's like supernatural strength. It's amazing, but it's amazing in that they tend to have supernatural strength where you can have a five-year-old and it takes five people to hold them down. Yeah, I've seen this happen where you know they can't hold down a five-year-old, but I've also seen this happen. So one time I was praying for the deliverance of a guy, and and he was a a, a bodybuilder, like God was muscles from head to toe, and um. And so I'm praying for him, and everybody's praying in the spirit, and you know, just doing their whole thing, just mom, 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 doing the, the, the whole praying, right? And and so I'm in the name of Jesus, I command this spirit, whatever it is, whatever it was, I'm, I'm not going to disclose everything he was dealing with, but but I'm commanding it, go right now in Jesus' name. And this guy, he just starts breathing heavy and, and raw, like he's like, literally like he's turning into the Hulk, but he actually had muscles. Like he looked like the Hulk. (laughs) And so he, 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 he's on the floor and he pushes himself up and he grabs my neck and I'm like, okay. So like, even in the natural without demons, like this is bad. Right. But the the with demons it's 10 times worse and so he grabbed my neck and squeezes and and so i'm still in the name of jesus right and so i like grabbed his hand in the name of jesus and it was so easy I, i just grabbed his hand and took it off my neck and his hand just like flopped off my neck and i put my hand on his back and boom just right down to the floor, just, just like, like just collapsed. Right. Um, I'm saying that because the the devil may give people supernatural strength, but I'm gonna tell you something greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. When you do deliverance real quick, this is free of charge here y'all when you do deliverance, right? This is not something that ought to inspire fear. Devils are not as strong as Jesus. I want you who have dreams to remember that too. You may dream of something that the devil is doing, but listen greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Like, we have to also remember that the devil is a liar and a father of lies. If the devil says it, it does not mean it's true. I had a dream and the devil spoke. Yeah, well, the devil's a liar. All right. I'm sorry. Well, there you go. He's a liar. In fact, when a devil speaks, what you have to do is replace what the devil said with the truth of what God's word says. And this is true in healing. Also, you can get sick of something and the devil's like, you're not going to make it. And everybody, like, oh, I had a dream that you died. No, the devil is a liar. You're going to have you better have another dream. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. See. Healing is something where it may not have anything to do with the devil. But some people, according to scripture, not everyone has this gifting. But some people flow in this gifting more than other people. Okay? There are differences in, in, in how it operates and, and the level at which it operates, but some people do. Now, the next one I, I want to talk about, though, are miracles. Remember, again, in the context of what's going on in the world today, God answers, God answers with the gifts of the Spirit through his church. Real quick, Ephesians chapter 123, I want to I show you this. I usually quote this in the King James Version because when I first came to the Lord, I actually memorized most of my scriptures in King James. And the way they tell us is that if it was good enough, if the King James Version was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. So it says here, I'm kidding, by the way, the Apostle Paul did not write the King James Version of the Bible. Just just stop. Um, anyway, um, it says here, Ephesians 122. It says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet. This is talking about Jesus and gave Jesus him as head over all things to the church. God gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. The body of Christ. Manifest the fullness of God on this earth based on this scripture here. Which means that we should be so united. We should be so empowered that we ought to be causing atheists to question their belief system. We ought to be causing unbelievers to say, wait a minute. I'm now going to question my unbelief in God. Because the fullness of God dwells among these people. And how do I know? Well, one way they could know is because brother so-and-so is putting his hands on foreheads. And they're really getting healed. What about miracles? Same thing. Like I'm seeing things that you just don't see anywhere else in the world in the church. I know everybody feeds the poor. I know everybody provides medical supplies to the poor and needy overseas. I know people open food pantries all over the place, but the world and the church does that. But these people, they don't just have food pantries. Like they multiply fish and loaves. That's what I'm talking about. Like there's something different about them. Actual miracles happen. Miracles of provision happen. Where, like, you know, think about the fish and loaves miracle. Now, this wasn't a healing. This was a miracle. Meaning that the little boy came. What is it? Was it two fish and five loaves? Or five loaves, five loaves and two fish? Is it five loaves and two fish? Okay, I heard a song that said two loaves, two fish and five loaves. Fish, oh, oh, I think we're saying the same thing. Okay, good. All right, so two fish <laughs> and five loaves. Right, So, so... It, what it means is that they keep on breaking the loaves in half and there's loaf left. Like loaf is still happening. They keep on breaking the fish up in half and more fish come. Where are they coming from? Why do we read verses like that and we see what Jesus did and we, it's like we just pass it by. How did more fish come? And they just piled up in the baskets and feed, fed 5,000 people using just two fish and five loaves these are creative miracles here i often wonder what did that taste like miracle fish and miracle loaves you know when jesus resurrected right and came back uh, and you know showed himself to his disciples he met them on a seashore and guess what he was doing he had some bread and some fish over some coals like imagine that Jesus strips the enemy of all of his armor, uh, redeems souls and in from from the powers of hell. Raises up again in all power and glory, putting all things under his feet, bringing the devil to total subjection. And when he walks the earth in his his, his glorified state, he's like, now I'm going to make me some fish. Now I'm going to cook some bread on this seashore because the disciples are out there, and I'm going to cook them. Imagine, I just, I, I'll read that scripture sometimes and I think, man, how does Jesus' food taste? How does his fish sandwich, because fish and loaves, so like how does the fish sandwich made by Jesus taste? I mean, Captain D's is like nothing. Right, even I think Chick-fil-A around the time of, of, of Lent, they start serving fish. And, and like, no, we don't want that. We want Jesus fish and loaves. But anyway, miracles. Um, The miracle that Jesus did in Scripture, what did he say in the, in the Bible? He said, the works that I do, right? He says, greater works shall you do. Now, you're not doing greater works because you're greater than him. But it says, greater works shall you do in my name. Now, again first love fellowship i want us to go beyond the revelation gifts of word of wisdom word of knowledge and discernment and start believing god for miracles documented creative miracles that can happen we were talking about on friday when the man was this was a healing miracle but it was creative right where he was praying for the man who was blind Man, he, he comes up to the altar says, hey, I need prayer. Uh, you know, I'm blind. And he has um, those, those thick black sunglasses on. And so the, the preacher says, OK, well, I'll pray for you. And the guy takes off the glasses and to, to be prayed for. And the man has no eyeballs. No eyeballs. Now, see, I'd look twice, too, because I'm a little squeamish and to me if you don't have eyeballs that means when i'm looking at you i'm seeing brain i don't know what i'm looking at right i'm like oh no no i'm uh, you know is there a miracle work in the house because i'm gonna go over here and and, you know drink some water water um but he had no eyeballs and he prayed for the man and he said that after he prayed for the man he stood there because this had never happened before and he said it was like milk being poured into his sockets from like behind the this swirling in. And the man had new eyeballs. Another one where Reinhard Bonnke, the evangelist to Africa, um, he was preaching and someone died. And they they had the man's body at the crusade. And the intercessors, um, I'm sure Suzette Hating, who I post her teachings up sometimes on one body, was there. She was his head intercessor. Um, by the way, Yeah, she was the head intercessor there, and she was the secret weapon behind that ministry. Every ministry that is impactful in the world in some way has someone who is an intercessor, like someone who takes that part very seriously. And they may not be the biggest name in the ministry, but oh my goodness, if they should stop praying like that, that would be bad, right? So... Um, But anyway, she was his his head intercessor. And and they're all down there praying for this man. Do you know the saints got together and prayed and this man got up from the dead? There's an entire documentary on it. This man was raised from the dead. He's probably still alive today because this happened about 20 years ago. But these are the, the gifts of miracles. That, would, that, that I'm talking about. First Love Fellowship. Let's become accustomed to the idea of the operating and workings of miracles. Now, now I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I do believe that there is a need for people that are intercessors to really be praying for this. Because it, it says in the scripture, earnestly desire the best gifts. So First Love Fellowship, we ought to be praying, Lord, let the gifts of your Holy Spirit begin to flow right um and, and remember that the, the gifts of the spirit that we operate in are governed by love you do know that right when you operate in the spiritual gifts you must operate in love that's why every time you see the spiritual gifts taught about you see love not too far away like it, it's always there first corinthians 13 is right between what um uh, first uh, First Corinthians 12, which speaks of the spiritual gifts and First Corinthians 14, which speaks of um, the, the, the speaking in tongues. And then Romans chapter 12, it talks about spiritual gifts also. And it tells it gives a teaching there about let love be without hypocrisy. So there you have it again. It's a teaching on love. When whenever the Bible begins to speak about the spiritual gifts, we have to remember love is what we have to operate in. And then Ephesians, um, when it speaks about the the, uh, the the gifts of the spirit, it also begins to speak about love. You know, it talks about the apostles and prophets and and so on. Well, woven within there is a teaching on the the unity of the body and speaking the truth in love and a body of Christ building itself together up in love. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. And so anytime you speak about spiritual gifts, just understand, if you cannot love, you cannot prophesy. Don't. Because if you're not rooted and grounded in love and you're prophesying, you're going to have a filter in your prophecies or listen to this or your prophecies will create within you judgments. This is especially true for people who operate in revelation gifts because you will sense things about people and then you'll start treating them differently. I just sense a spirit of, of, of perversion on that person. Well, you may be right, but that doesn't mean you treat them differently. That doesn't mean you then come up with a judgment and talk, talk to your friends about them. If you get something about a particular person, that's your cue to start praying for them. I told someone, I think last week, I said, listen, if you're going to uh, like, like pray for people and, and operate in these gifts and things, and even as an intercessor, um, you, you have to be willing to wash their feet also. It's important. We have to be governed by love when we do these, when we operate in the gifts of the spirit. Let love be the central thing. First, comma, love, period. All right. Now, the the, the other one, the other power gift we have, healing is a power gift. Miracles is a power gift. Faith is a power gift. These are all gifts that do something. Now, faith, the declaration of faith is different from prophecy. Okay, prophecy comes from God and it can be predictive in nature. Most of the time, it should be predictive in nature. Okay, prophecy should be, thus says the Lord, ABC, XYZ is going to happen tomorrow. But faith is different, faith is declarative to God. Faith says, this is what the word says. And no matter how big and impossible it is, you're declaring that word of faith, that declaration to see that thing happen. And so let's say Jesus says, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. And you see impending danger. Something dangerous is about to happen. Let me give you a little story about the gift of faith. This happened, I'm realizing, you know, it's something that I almost said by accident. One day, me and my wife were in Queens, New York. We weren't married. We were walking. I was walking her to the the train station because, you know, in New York, we take trains and buses everywhere. But I was walking with her to the train station. And as we were walking, there was a gang fight that was about to happen. Oh, my God. I've never seen so many people like in one place for a, a fight. I mean, there were dozens of people on either side of the street. So you had a group of people on the side of the street we were walking on. And then on the other side of the street was another group of people. They had machetes. They had chains. I'm sure some of them had guns. And I'm talking to and you know, trying to say whatever I was trying to say. You know, we weren't married yet. So I'm, I'm I'm sitting here trying to convince her that, you know, I'm the one. Um, And so we're walking up the street. And all of a sudden, I found myself in the middle of, The standoff. And O.C. is like, what in the world is this? And immediately I said, the Lord has not given us angels in vain. Now, at the time, I was like, Lord, (laughs) like, please, angels be nice. Um, But but it was a declaration of faith. Like, I, I have no other way of putting it except to say, this thing came from my belly. Right? But it came sudden. It was like the Lord gave us angels. So we we're walking. Do you know we walked through the entire standoff? It was like they were waiting for us to pass through. As soon as we passed through, the war began. We got up the street, and all of a sudden, there were police cars rushing back there. There was commotion back there. Now, I didn't look back. Because, you know, when God tells you, go, you... you t- <laughs> remember Lot's wife, right? You just, you go, right? So we kept on going. But after that happened, it was like, whoa. But looking back now, you you know, I realized, my goodness, that faith just came for that moment. Sometimes things can happen. You can have a, a I remember this, another gift of faith. You ready? So when we first got to Tulsa, there was this, it was within the first couple of years, there was this gigantic tornado that was here. It was the one in, in, in it happened in May Um, of 19, I think 1999 and um, it had already destroyed an entire city, Stroud, Oklahoma. It had literally uprooted the entire shopping mall. The shopping mall was completely destroyed, okay? The tornado was over a mile wide. They had, you know how they say category one, category two, there was no category for this tornado. I remember watching the news when it had hit Oklahoma city and listening to the newscaster say, Oh my God. Oh my God. That's what he was saying. Oh my God. Oh my God. Looking at the tornado. Like what kind of newscaster is that? What kind of weatherman is that? Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. But he, he was speechless. Right. And so anyway, the evening went on. And so this storm got to Tulsa. It. So me and my wife were at home. We don't have kids yet. That's why I think it was 1999. Um, we don't have kids. And the tornado gets over by ORU, like over across the river. And they're telling us, listen, take cover, everybody. You gonna die. Right? Like, like <laughs> like that's how the newscasters sound. Like we're we're gonna die. So me and OC, the New Yorkers that we were, we did everything they told us to do. Run to the bathroom, get a mattress, put it over your bathroom, because that's gonna do something. Um and so I'm under the mattress hiding. <laughs> Osi's under the mattress hiding. And I said, Osi, I said, Osi, if I'm going to die, I'm not going to die hiding under a mattress, cowering in my bathroom. I'm going to bed. And so we we just laid down, like, just listen, we're not doing this mess. But again, that was a sudden uh, and we began to pray, but that was a sudden um, uh, uh, declaration of faith. We are going to live and not die. We, we did not come all the way out to Tulsa to get sucked up into a category 50 hurricane, whatever it was, right, and be all flying through the sky and thrown across the city. No, the devil is a liar, right? So, but faith, the the gift of faith is that. Now I can say. In all humility, this is something that God has been able to grace through me. I've seen it happen time and time again. The gift of faith. Something is going on. I mean, I saw glimpses of it. We... we we had a computer that was broken and a computer did something I said, no, devil, you're a liar. This computer's going to work. And the computer's like, oh, yeah, and it's not working again. Like it was like that. I'm telling you, I've seen these things happen. Um, but the gift of faith, it interrupts the expected um, flow of things with the response of the deck to the declaration. So something can be happening. You're expecting a certain thing to happen a certain way. And then a declaration goes forth and says, hold on. Not so much, that's not where this is going. That's the gift of faith. It's a declaration. It's almost like 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 Jesus said, like nothing shall be impossible to you. you know, but I can't do it whenever I want. We don't control the spiritual gifts. A million dollars now. Well, it didn't work. It didn't work just now, right but but what I'm saying is like but there could be a situation where a million dollars is needed, right? And all of a sudden, again, that faith rises up, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. I can't make it happen. It comes from the Spirit of God that makes you make a declaration. All right. And that's the gift of faith. Again, remember, friends, we don't control these gifts. We're going to go over the revelation gifts. Again, the revelation gifts seem to be a favorite of First Love Fellowship. God seemed to use a lot of y'all in these revelation gifts, and I am not downplaying those gifts. They're great gifts. They're powerful and anointed gifts. We're going to talk about what they are and bring some biblical balance to it. Um, we're going to do that next week. After that, we're going to talk about the utterance gifts. These are the gifts that say something. Now, I know in First Love in Tulsa, we don't see tongues. We don't see interpretation of tongues at all. And so now the, the utterance gifts are the gifts that say something. So it is tongues mixed with the interpretation of tongues. They go together. I know a husband and wife team that flow in this. It's a husband and wife. They flow in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I've never seen anything like it. When they get when they get to, to, to operating in their gift, it's like, wow, that is powerful. Right. And, and what's being said and spoken builds up and edifies the church. Um, so, so we're going to talk about the utterance gifts, but next week it'll be the revelation gifts, those gifts that reveal something. Let us be educated here. Now, I would like you to covet earnestly the best gifts. We cannot be an effective response in the world today without operating in the gifts of God that he's called us to. Now, I know that in the scripture, when we read it, we when it talks about the spiritual gifts, it talks about administration, right? It talks about the nine gifts of the spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then toward the end, it talks about administration and it talks about um, helps. And listen, those gifts are absolutely necessary too, but they are no less supernatural. They're no less supernatural. These are not natural gifts. The gifts of healing are not occurring because you're a nurse. Or a doctor. Okay. Um, The gift of tongues is not happening because you learn Spanish. No. These are supernatural spiritual gifts. A nurse has a soulish gift where she was or he was educated and learned how to do this. The world can do that. When we're talking about the spiritual gifts, we're talking about something the world cannot do. How is it a spiritual gift to learn Spanish? It's not. A Buddhist, a Hindu, a Muslim, any person of any religion can learn Spanish and speak it. That's not a spiritual gift. Any An atheist or a Satanist can be a nurse or a doctor. That is not a healing gift. The gifts of the spirit are supernatural. So let's remember that. The word of wisdom is not because you're wise. There are wise people from every religion, every walk of life. Jesus even said the children of this world are shrewder than the children of light. That is earthly, natural wisdom. James talks about it and even says that that wisdom is demonic. So we're not just talking about a person who's wise. No, the word of wisdom is supernatural. I can't stress this enough. The word of knowledge is not because you have a doctorate degree or a PhD. No, that, that, that it, is a, it is a spiritual gift. The word of knowledge is where you can have a a conversation with a person with a PhD and you have your GED. And God is dropping things in your spirit and saying things that you shouldn't know. Yeah. Discernment of spirit is not apologetics ministry. It is discernment. It is the discerning of different kinds of spirits. It is not your YouTube channel against Kenneth Copeland. All right, let us covet earnestly the best gifts. We're done. Let us covet earnestly the best gifts. Let's pray about it. Like, friends, let's actually pray for the gifts that God wants to give us. It does appear, according to 1 Corinthians 12, where it says, all are not apostles, all are not prophets, all are not teachers, all are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings. All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret. It seems as though certain spiritual gifts are associated with certain people. Certain people operate powerfully in particular gifts. So, yes, you can say, well, I operate in a gift of healing. Yeah, like T.L. Osborne um, operates in a gift, operated when he was alive in a gift of healing. Mighty miracles happened in his ministry. Healing miracles. Um, so, what I'm asking us to do is pray and ask the Lord, what 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 gift do I get to have? I want the best gifts. I want the gift that is most effective for my calling, the gift that's most effective for my sphere of influence. Like, maybe if you're a nurse, a gift of healing is mighty convenient. You can help a lot of people, right? Um, you know, uh, people who operate in the gift of, of of miracles, right? You go out and do evangelism in the street. You need the gift of miracles operating in you. You need it. Let's become accustomed to asking God for a bit more. I notice that a lot of people who do say that they're in charismata or charismatics. Um, we're not really charismatic. We're we're just we're just speaking in tongues. But if you really want to get into the charismatic gifts of the New Testament. We have to consider them all. Let's ask the Lord for the best gifts. There are people in our church right now who really need a person who flows in a gift of healing. There are people at First Love Fellowship right now who need people who will flow in a word of wisdom. Even the discernment of spirits or prophecy. Let's be sure that we're willing to allow God to flow and function through us as we live holy lives before him. And answer the darkness of this world with a presence and power of the manifest presence of God, the manifestation of the spirit let's let's be sure that we we don't forget God is real and he wants to be real through you. Amen, Father in Jesus' name, I pray for first love fellowship, I pray for those who are who know the Lord, but today I especially pray for the lukewarm those who who have learned to perfect the form but not the power and I pray in Jesus name Lord that a spirit of repentance come over them a repentance for perfecting the form but not the power they deny the power because of unholiness I ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you redeem their life from destruction, take them out of the state that they're in. Lord, that we would have a holy church that operates in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would have a church that that experiences the manifest presence of God. That we would be a church, Lord God, that, that are conduits of revival in this land that our speech and our preaching would not be in with enticing words of man's wisdom it wouldn't be because we read enough books or took enough classes but because we know you i pray for the lukewarm that they be hot that you make them on fire for god nobody's on fire for god anymore lord i pray first love fellowship would be on fire for god on fire For your namesake and for your glory, O God, I pray that you bring your great salvation to the lukewarm. Your great salvation. Lord, that they would not be in a place where you would spit them out of your mouth. Bring your great salvation. Save, O God. Save in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for, for joining this morning. This has been a wonderful time of fellowship and 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 speaking the word of god about the power gifts we're going to get to the revelation gifts next but uh, i I do want to offer you the opportunity to to give uh at first love fellowship you can go to wearefirstlove.com and you can give i believe the giving link is about to go into the comments right now as we speak um and there it is it's about to come so just just there you go um it's it's coming in now so be sure to not forget to give it's it's very important for what god has us doing during this time uh we will continue to see the gospel spread all over the sphere of influence that god has called us to and your giving not only does it does it bless the church to be able to move forward but i trust that it also blesses your house the Bible says, "He that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully." And I'm trusting God at First Love Fellowship for the continuation of bountiful giving. Because you know what, you guys are givers, and I I cannot appreciate you more. Uh, you guys are true givers and 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 mission-minded people. I look around a room on on Friday and I realize that. Almost everybody is involved in a mission of Jesus in some way in this city. Um, I love it. And the same thing is true in Maryland. Everybody's involved. Everybody's putting their hands to the plow. Friends, First Love Fellowship is a thriving church. Thriving. And I thank God for each of you. Um, Many of you came to the table and you were already mature in God. But there are some of you that came and you know what? The Lord has revolutionized and transformed your life. And I am thankful and grateful to god for what he's doing in you and through you so don't forget to give let's continue this work let's continue moving forward in his name and for his glory and win the church to christ through unceasing prayer intentional discipleship and missional living god bless you Thank you so much for listening. Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior always remember your first love he gave himself-